So by way of reminder, let me say that we've been looking at some God-given desires. I want to emphasize God-given desires from Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3. God-given desires that he gave to mankind back in the Garden of Eden. They were good, they were wholesome, and they were pure desires as God gave them to mankind. He gave them to us uh, with the intention that we would live within their divine, that's the key word, the, his uh, divine purpose. Uh, however, because Adam and Eve disobeyed the one prohibition that God gave, uh, they were tempted, of course, uh, uh, by, by a serpent, but he, he gave them, um, that he gave them, um, uh, doo -doo -doo. at that point when he, uh, he, when he gave them that one pro prohibition, sin began in the human heart. And as we all know, it has taken control of our lives ever since passed down from Adam to you and me today. Uh, but it doesn't, this is very important, it doesn't have to. It has taken control of our lives, but it doesn't have to. Very, very important. In addition to the curse upon mankind, God has always provided the one and only way that we can be redeemed from our sin. And how is that? The blood sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, if you want to fill it in, of the animal skin that God provided. What, what page are you? Where are you? Uh, what page are you? Oh. Oh. Oh, no. Hey, part two. Uh, yeah, we're on page seven. I'm wait, sorry. Wait, you what about five? You, have, you didn't do five. Oh, no, we're going back to that. But I'm, I'm, I'm introducing tonight's study. And then we'll go back and do five, six, seven. Okay. Is that clear as mud? We're on page seven. We're on page seven. Okay. So uh, the, the, the words that you might have missed are God-given, given desires, uh, divine purpose in the, in the same paragraph. The next paragraph is taken control. And the next paragraph, the blood sacrifice of the animal skin that God provided. That brings you up to where we are now. Um, Can you go through that again? Okay, yeah. Uh, on the one, two, third paragraph, it's given, God given desires. See the word, the blank there. And then after that is divine, the, the last of that paragraph, divine purpose. And then um, sin began in the human heart, and it has taken control, those two words, of our lives. And then the next paragraph, uh, the blood sacrifice of the animal skin that God provided. All right. We okay now? Um, all right. So the, the blood sacrifice of that animal skin that God provided, um, which was a down payment, you might say, of what Christ would do, would give much later. God gave them an animal, I mean, an animal sacrifice then. Christ would do the same thing, uh, his, a sacrifice of himself, 
uh, and it would be a, a covering. This animal skin was a covering for their nakedness, uh, which began the restoration of fellowship with God. The blood of Jesus Christ is provides uh, gives us a, a restoration of what God intended for us originally, that we might um, that we might have uh, have fellowship with God and with man, thus making it possible for us to live above those sinful desires that control us. Uh, that we now have and that were originally given without impurities. So what we have in this study is a comparison uh, between the, the pure desires that God gave us and the ways in which we choose to live, the, live them up, live up to them purely as God intended, or we can choose to either live them live up to them as God intended or to pervert them as the serpent intended. Um, and he still intends the same thing today. Yeah. This is a, a, a concept that church many generations ago used to call the appetites. Oh, I hadn't heard that term. The yeah, yes, I guess I have, but yeah. yeah. But we've lost no. that in English. Today, appetite means just a hunger. Right. But it meant any any general, any normal craving. Desire. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So we'll continue this study. Uh, hopefully it'll benefit our lives and it will honor the creator who gave all these desires to us. So let's go back now. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, number five is creativity. Is that on page four? Oh, yes. yes, it is. Good. All right. That's where we're going. And um, Rick, did you make enough copies for these two? I only made copies of the, what, of the, what we missed last. No, I didn't. Okay. Well, to catch up. Um, so the copies? Yeah. To catch uh, up Pete Thank and Dory. Oh, let's see. It's put one in at a time. That's this, this is something that we've already done. It's out of the way. But um, Pete and Dory, I'll give you copies uh, after this is over uh, of what <coughs> what we're working on right now. All right, back to page four. So again, we're we're looking at a at com a comparison of the the wholesome, pure desire that God gave to mankind back in Genesis 1 and 2, and the way it was perverted by mankind uh, as a result of the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Now, these verses that we're following along, they are in biblical order. So you see in number 5, creativity, Genesis 2, 19 and 28. And then the next one following is six beauty, and it picks up on uh, verse twenty B through twenty three. But let's let's focus now on Genesis two nineteen and twenty eight. Someone read that for us, please. When it says out of the ground, yeah, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called a living creature, that 
that was its name. Man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. All right, very good. Thank you. So when God create, uh, when the Creator made man in His own image, in His likeness, one of the attributes, His own attributes, that was given to man to Adam as well. It was the attribute of creativity. Um, the mandate to name all the animals of the world was an expression of Adam's creativity. You can write that in. He looked at each one, each animal as presented, observed their appearance and behavior, and he named them as he saw fit. In other words, God didn't name the animals. Adam did. <clears throat> and so there's that creativity that God is, is a creator is the creator but he gave that attribute to adam and eve and way uh, musicians artists chefs writers among others express their creativity in special ways showing who they are on the inside i mean you know we've got musicians several musicians here in um in this room and uh and it's these, uh, the musicians and artists, so forth, they, they are expressions of the creativity that God has given to us. Uh, however, it's easy to use the gift of creativity in sordid ways, sordid ways, <clears throat> such as creating things that dishonor their master, lewd music and artwork, writing things that entice people, some people, away from the purity of God's holiness, leading others to depraved practices. So the, the creativity that is in man, by nature, God-given uh, abilities, can be perverted, and they are being perverted by us, uh, and we see it all around us. So the question, what observation can I add to this discussion? All right, I'm giving you a chance to, to speak up based on what we've looked at so far. What observation can I add to this discussion? Well, I think that uh, in naming the animals, one of the things you probably did was rather than just make up names, but was trying to, to make up uh, names or titles that would to some degree describe what they were like. Yeah. And their environment or what made them different or whatever. Right. Yeah. That, that makes sense. You know, he observed them. He, uh, he looked at their behavior, saw what they were able to do, their abilities, and then named them. Yep. Okay. Anything else? Creativity is applauded by society, but it often appeals to our viler or baser or sinful nature. It's applauded. I mean, creativity. I, I, I go to the River Arts District in, in Asheville and I see all the creativity and it's, you know, wonderful creativity. But I look at some of the artwork there and I see how vile some of that stuff is. I, I didn't even want to look at it, it's so bad. 
you know, so anyway, that's, that's, oh, uh, I have an example. go ahead. We went out west last May and, um, we were in Taos, New Mexico, mm -hmm. and there was, um, this little, uh, we just happened to find it. it was like this little fair thing where mm -hmm. there were different artists that yeah. came and we met a man, what was his name? He was, he was a Native American. Okay. From what tribe? Not Navajo. I think okay. it's Navajo. Uh -huh. And he had these beautiful artworks in in we think he was a Christian. And he just had these beautiful artworks and we brought several of them. Uh, uh showing, you know, the creation. In metal. Huh? In metal. Sorry. In metal. Metal art, yes. Like we got the scene of of mountains yeah. and it kind of reminds me of Mr. Katzenberger. You know, he mm -hmm. did beautiful art. Yeah, I uh, did. That showed really you know, animals. Right. And so we have it, uh, one of them in our bedroom, and, and it's magnetic, and so you can like change out, like we have a bear, and so you can take that out and you can put the deer in. Oh, so it's, wow. It's interchangeable. Yeah. But it's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's this um, metal, and it's it was very creative. Uh -huh. And we just really loved it. So yeah. we brought several pieces. So, yeah. you know, God can use Christian people to oh, yeah. make beautiful art right. and for others to enjoy and see God's handiwork mm -hmm. in nature. Yeah, so he's he didn't pervert the creative um, uh, nature of his artwork. He 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 used it for a good purpose. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. That's what God intends. Uh, and by the way, I have uh, we have uh, Sandy and I have several not several but a few pieces of artwork from you know Native Americans and. We love it. Yeah, we love that stuff. We've been, we've been to Taos. No, plays pretty well. Yes. Uh, no. Without the, without the, like we were talking about the hardening of the heart this morning. Yeah. You know, without the spirit's intervention, it gets perverse real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Like what you're seeing in Asheville and stuff. I mean, right. You can, you can really say, well, that's really disgusting. That's just a complete absence. Yeah. Of, the Holy Spirit. Totally. Totally. You know? Yeah. And and the more perverse, the happier they are in some cases. Well, the harder your heart gets, the less the well, yeah, spirit you, works with you. You don't think about and you don't think about in any yourself. way pleasing the creator. If you leave man to himself, that's what you get. Yeah. But it's sad though, because God gave these people creativity. But they're to glorify him. To, that, that was the purpose first, but anything but. All right. Um, have I, uh, another question, have I used my, my love for creativity to honor myself or my desires in ways that God may not approve of? Have I used my creativity in ways that God may not approve of? Uh, um, uh, I'll say this, that sometimes, you know, sometimes I like to show off what I've done. <laughs> but on the other hand, I always give God the credit for having given me the talents that I have. So there's negative and the positive in that way. All right, let's go on to number six, beauty. Uh, Genesis, huh? Yes. I just wanted to say we could also not be pleasing to him if we use our creativity and our talent. 
talent of some sort, but we use our creativity and it consumes all of our time. Yes, that's right. If it consumes all of our I mean, time. There's certain things that you really like to do. Right? Yeah. And you enjoy painting. Yeah. And if you painted constantly and um and like no other jobs right. around the house were ever done, mm -hmm. um, then it, that would not be glorifying no. to the Lord. That's right. You know, yeah. And, and by the way, since you brought it up and you're a musician, music, think of the ways that music uh, has been perverted, and yet music is a, a creative expression. But some of the music that you listen to on the radio, if you're listening to certain stations on the radio, it, it's just disgusting. Some of the stuff you, you hear in music and read in books and so forth. All right, let's go on then to beauty. Uh, some, some beautiful person, please read this next <laughs> paragraph for us. <laughs> Not, not you, uh, not Pastor. You're not, no, not, 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 not you. Me, I know. That's to keep me out. Yeah. All right. Somebody read it for us. You don't have to be beautiful to read it. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep, sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. And brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. All right, very good. Thank you, beautiful Sandy. <laughs> hey, that's I have to say it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, by the way, when. Um, uh, when Sandy and I first were dating, she was a pianist at a little church, Baptist church in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I was talking to the pastor about her, and uh, he was saying, yeah, you know, she's really nice looking, you know? And I said, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> and I married her a couple months later. <laughs> All right, well, anyway. Bless your heart, before she changed her mind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she didn't, he didn't say anything about me. He just talked about her. <laughs> all right, so Adam, now, now get this, all right? You may agree or disagree, but I believe this is to be true. Adam must have been excited to see Eve for the very first time. Now, she was not born. She was created as, a, as an adult woman. No doubt God made her beautiful and attractive to Adam, before their fall in chapter 3, the human gene pool had not been polluted by the curse of sin. Remember, as a result of their sin, the, the, the whole creation was cursed. Well, she was created before that. So what I'm saying is that it's likely that Eve was the most beautiful woman God ever made. The second most beautiful woman. Well, the gene pool has since been polluted a little bit since. The, but yeah, okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Sadly, mankind has uh, often takes the beauty that God created, whether in nature or people, and and distorts it. Mankind distorts it to conform to their wicked and impure inclinations, and what a 
shameful, tragic loss of beauty, the beauty that God created. Now, the next paragraph is personal. Uh, I knew two sisters in Macon, Georgia. Uh, Sandy, you know them too. Two sisters in Macon, Georgia. They, when they were young and younger, they looked very much alike. Lovely young women. One sister was devoted to the Lord Jesus. She and her husband were missionaries in Singapore. Even when she was in her advanced years, she was still beautiful, beautiful. The beauty of holiness, the Bible calls it. The other sister, and this, the other sister of Sandy is Donna and Gail Farr's mother. Okay? Anyway, the other sister, equally beautiful when she was young, but because of her sinful lifestyle of hard drinking, smoking, chasing men, and always working on getting a darker and darker tan, when she was older, her skin was leathery, her eyes were bloodshot, her face was abnormally wrinkled, and she had developed lung cancer. Such a contrast between these two beautiful young women, and one, because of her love for the Lord Jesus, it affected even her very appearance in contrast to the other. And we all have various shapes and sizes. Some of it is genetic. Some of it is how we take care of ourselves. And while it's true that beauty is only skin deep, without following the fashions of the sensuous world, we should consider how our appearance, whether we're beautiful or not, but how our appearance can honor God. And I believe that's something we should do, is, is to strive to honor God with the way we look, the way we dress, and, and so forth, take care of ourselves. All right, so let's ask the question, what observations can I add to the discussion? The older you get, the more you appreciate uh, the inside of the person, right? Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. just the outside. Uh, right. So, you know, there are, there are, there that there is a good point. There are some people that I know that are, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say <laughs> ugly, but they're not they're not very pleasing to the eye, but, but their disposition, the way they talk, the way they carry themselves around, the way they act, is... They just they just draw people to it. Yeah. It's not yeah. nice to talk to you that way. <laughs> what? Rick was looking at me. I said it wasn't very nice to talk about Rick. That <laughs> <laughs> you know, and again, that's what they call the beauty of holiness. At any age, no matter whether you're a fashion model or your ugliest sin, you can still have the beauty. Of holiness and that's what the Bible teaches is more important than skin deep beauty yes, it is. it's inside beauty I think there's two extremes like with so many things here to avoid you know? every road has two ditches avoiding the one you don't want to end up in the other either right so our culture is so focused on um, external beauty mm. you know what, what Jesus calls in Matthew 7 or, or John 7 he says stop judging by appearance yeah right um, that that the, the reaction to that is, you know, and I've known particularly some women who who just like, well, 
I won't do anything. You know, they look so plain, and, and it's like to do nothing to enhance the beauty that God's given. Right. And, and you know, in the name of not doing that, but that's a mistake as well. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, the Bible acknowledges both male and female beauty. Yeah. Uh, it says that Joseph was attractive. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and King and, David and was Esther, attractive. Who? King David. King was David attractive. was attractive. Exactly. Esther. It says a lovely face and figure, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 what what it doesn't do is it doesn't fixate on that. It doesn't right. well. Let me tell you how Esther looked, you know. Yeah. Describe in, in, in scintillating detail how Joseph. Yeah. Se, you know, was seductive to whatever. Yeah. So, um, what that tells me is that, uh, you know, God, when you see somebody who's physically attractive, you know. Like for a man, if I see a woman who's attractive, I don't have to feel guilty about right. the appreciation of beauty mm -hmm. that I see. Mm -hmm. Right? I feel like, oh, I got hit. You know, like Pharisees right. would, would literally walk around, stumble, you know, and, uh, or cover, shouldn't have to wear a burqa, you know, cover mm -hmm. all um, I think the same also, I'm uh, sorry to go along with this, but That's okay. I think the same thing is true with with other guys. I mean, we, we work out at the gym. There was a guy I saw a couple of days ago. Tall guy, big, young, just really fit, and I'm mm. like, wow, you know that. That doesn't mean I'm a homosexual. No, right? No, it just means that I appreciate the beauty that God created mm -hmm. in 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 the body, both both male and female. You don't know their hearts necessarily. No, you could, but you don't necessarily know their hearts. Right. But hopefully, the beauty is not just on the exterior, but the beauty is on the interior. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, I, I think that's an important distinction to make because I've heard stories from people. Like I had a professor who was a lesbian in, in college. Mm -hmm. She talked about the first time she noticed a girl in front of her beautiful brown hair, and, and it just kind of went from there. And you know, and, and I wonder how many people think that just admiring attraction or beauty in the same sex as mm -hmm. they have mm -hmm. means that they're homosexual. It doesn't mean that. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean. No. That. No. It's when it's perverted. When it's, when it it's does naked. mean that. Yes. Yeah. But if it's not, if we don't pervert it, it's not going to enter into our minds that way. That's right. Yeah. You have a personal thing in it. It's an individual how they take care of themselves. So yeah. How know. they take care of themselves is very important. Someone said if the house needs painting, painting. <laughs> Pete, the distinction you made is only by the grace of God, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Praise the Lord. Only by the grace of God can you make yeah. that distinction. But I, I will yeah. I will add to what you said on the negative side. There are some Christian denominations or whatever you want to call them, where the women feel uh obligated to be as plain and homely yeah, as they can possibly get and they consider that to be the beauty of uh, spiritual the beauty of of holiness i don't think that that's necessarily the case you know now i have mixed feelings about bob jones but one thing that that the, the women students were taught there was fix yourself up look nice and with whatever you've got, look nice. So anyway, yeah. All right, let's go on then. Um, 
you've already made some other uh, other um, comments. So let me see here. Uh, ha have I looked at beauty as an illicit object of desire instead of the beauty of holiness? If so, what changes should I make? Um, a month ago, about a month ago, I, I got a haircut over in, in Hendersonville, and um, there were uh, there were several guys waiting to get their haircut, and I said to the barber, can you make me the handsomest man in town? <laughs> and he looked at, you know, the other guys sitting waiting, and then he says, I doubt it. <laughs> I tipped him anyway. <laughs> he was honest. <laughs> yeah, he was accurate too. <laughs> Some of those guys were were pretty handsome. All right, and I'm not only that one. All right, yes, you gonna say something else? Yeah, so, says, you know, when you first start dating the one that you think you're gonna marry, and, mm -hmm. um, you know. Really, when you first start dating someone, that's what you look at. Yeah, it is. That's the you. first thing until, that most people. And, yes. Until, for me, it was. Until you start knowing that heart. And as you know the heart, the other things make it that much more beautiful to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you really love her, she becomes your best friend. But I'm just saying is, my grandmother told me, I used to call her man, by the way, Daddy. And she told me, she says, don't marry for beauty. And I was like, why did she say that? What she was trying to tell me was, don't go marry an ugly woman, but marry someone that has a good heart. Yeah. You know, yeah. she wasn't a believer, I don't think, mm. but what she said was true. Yeah, yeah. And you got to trust her. What I'm just saying is, as, as we get older and time's going to happen, things on your body are going to get a little yeah. bit in your face and your <laughs> hair and all this other stuff. But the thing is, Keep falling in love with that heart. Right. 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 And that'll go on forever. Sure. Yeah. That's right. Sure. All right. Let's move on then. Number seven. Sexuality. <laughs> um, You're on page seven. I'm on page seven. Right. Let's move over there. Now, um, someone read for us Genesis 2.24. For this reason. A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. All right, sexuality, become one flesh. One man, one woman. One man, one woman, that's right. All right, so this desire, sexuality, number seven, and number eight, uh, purity, uh, I'll just say that these are, these discussions are going to be rated PG-13. We don't have any children here, but they would be rated PG-13, as you'll see. All right. The God-given desire for sexual intimacy was God's first command. Isn't that interesting? Be fruitful and multiply, he said. But sex is not limited to reproduction, right? It's also to be enjoyed with each other within marriage. 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 5, verse, uh, verse 5a uh, tells us, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent. 
Deprive us of what? Deprive us of what? Of making babies? No, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying uh, that we should uh, not deprive each other of the enjoyment of sexual intimacy. It is a gift from God to us within marriage. Within marriage. Within marriage. Yep. All right. So uh, the problem came when mankind fell into sin, when that God-given desire was perverted. God, God's establishment of marriage was corrupted into sexual improprieties, beginning in the Garden of Eden. But sex outside of the marriage bed is outside of God's plan. When I was a when I was a pastor, and sometimes I would um, do counseling for couples counseling, and very often it went to the subject of sex, and you know, the marriage bed, whatever whatever the couple does, it has to be uh, it has to be it has to honor the marriage bed. It has to honor each other, mutual by. Do not, okay, First uh, Corinthians, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent. Uh, problem came when uh, mankind fell into sin and that God-given desire was perverted. God's establishment of marriage was corrupted into sexual improprieties beginning in the Garden of Eden. But sex outside of marriage is outside of God's plan. The evil heart... <coughs> The evil heart of sinful man expressed this desire by looking for newer and more perverted ways of exploring sexual pleasures, some going to extremes such as homosexuality, adultery, transgenderism, promiscuity, and pornography. Those are perversions of what God gave to us as a precious gift. Like many things in life, sex is a good thing unless it is used inappropriately. Then it becomes sinful. Married couples must not deprive each other of the enjoyment of sex, but rather allow our sexual relationship to honor this aspect of God's plan for marriage. Uh, Hedonism is big, is, is rampant in our country. Hedonism, the, the love of pleasure, is just uh, living for pleasure. It's, it's all over the place today. Okay, moving on from there. What's that last blank? Oh, last blank, uh, deprived. I think I used deprived twice, but oh, and Another sentence there. Perverted. Perverted. Sex is God's way of keeping the marriages pure. That's the last one on page. Equal the questions. What? what Married couples must not blank each other of the enjoyment. Oh, must not, again, de deprive each other of the enjoyment of sex. And then the next one is keeping our marriages pure. 
Uh, I don't see that on mine. The enjoyment of sex is one of God's ways of keeping our marriages. Right. Oh, okay. Keep. Uh, I like your. Okay. Marriage is strong too. Yeah, strong, yeah. Strong, strong. <laughs> Let me just throw something out. Yeah. Um, marriage is not as common and popular as it used to be. Uh, when I was a lot younger, well, when Sandy and I, you know, were, were dating and got <clears throat> married, uh, marriage, marriage usually was, took place much younger in a couple's life in terms of years and age. Nowadays, nowadays, people are waiting until their 30s and beyond before they get married and and some people applaud that oh they're so much more mature now than their than our parents and grandparents used to be no they're not the reason they're waiting is because what so in their wild oats so in their wild oats forever and ever and ever and ever and ever it seems like they they live together they live together they don't need they don't feel the need for that commitment of marriage and so they live together and and then and then eventually when they want to have children because they're so in their wild oats they don't want to have kids then when they want to have children then they'll get married but in the meantime they do they do they have uh, I want to just say if it's going to work. Yeah, why? Yeah. I counseled a young couple that, um, that uh, wanted to get married. And I, I'll get with you just a second. I counseled a young couple that wanted to get married. And uh, they were Christians. But... Um, we, you know, we got onto the subject of sex, and they said, "Oh, we've got that covered already. We're living together." And I said, "You're living together. You're Christians, and you're living together." Yeah. Well, why are you living together? Because we want to see if we're sexually compatible. <laughs> Need a Bible verse for that? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them. Are you male? Are you male? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh me. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, let's see. Just been Debbie had something. What did you say, Larry? Right? David, this is being taped. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it better not go on Apple Podcasts. Anyway. Um, <laughs> edit, edit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have something to say. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Well, the state encourages it because it costs 50 bucks to get married and a whole lot more to get divorced. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's there's tax benefits to, to stay in single, too. I think there used to be tax benefits. Oh. They fixed that a little bit. Yeah, they? Oh, good. You get more assistance. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that is if true. If you're, not, if you're not married and you've got kids. All right. Let's do one more. Purity. Um, so Genesis 2.25, I'll read it, it's short. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. <clears throat> when God first created, 
Adam and Eve, he made them pure in mind and spirit. They were innocent. They were innocent and not acquainted with sin. They had no knowledge whatsoever of sin. They were created naked and had no reason to think there was anything wrong with that. They felt no shame. This is how it should be with married couples. There's no shame in being naked together in the privacy of their home bedroom. Uh, however, after our first parents sinned against God, violating the one prohibition that God gave to them, they were suddenly aware of their nakedness and they did feel shame. Now, I think they were not embarrassed, they were still not embarrassed to be seen by each other. The nakedness that they were ashamed of was being uh, naked before God. They were ashamed of being naked before God. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they, that uh, they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They were ashamed of their sin, and they tried to cover themselves up because they didn't want God to see them in this sinful state. Well, he did see them. But uh, anyway, they were they were ashamed to be naked from that point on. No doubt Adam and Eve didn't realize the consequences, the consequences of sinning against God. Well, they wouldn't because they had never sinned against God before. They didn't realize the consequences of sinning against God until it was too late. Mankind exchanged the purity of their minds and bodies for a wicked desire. This is talking about mankind today in, in days past. Uh, exchanged the purity of their minds and bodies for a wicked desire to flaunt their nakedness even before God. They have no shame. They have no concern about what, what God may think of them they don't care means nothing to them in centuries past people have gone from one extreme to the other from showing off their bodies to hiding them depending on the fashions of the day there was it wasn't a moral thing or a biblical thing but to the fashions of the day um let's see their desire has not been their desire has not been these people to dress modestly and to, and to please God. That's not been the desire of mankind as a whole. Uh, in the last 50 years, perhaps as an indication that we are living in what the Bible calls the last days, society has been deliberately pushing the boundaries more and more toward outright shamelessness. Shamelessness. The moral desire to be pure in thought and deed and appearance has gone out of vogue. In fact, impurity has become an acceptable lifestyle. In our world, it's even celebrated. Um, impurity is impurity is accepted and it's even celebrated my goodness how far have down hill have we gone as a society 
but it's it just changes the whim by whim changes all right so what observations can i add to this discussion oh wait a minute did i skip something yeah, we, can, we, we perhaps women more than men need to be walking illustrations of modesty even though we live in a in a wicked world we do not have to live like them even in how we present ourselves to a watching world, the world that is watching us as Christians. We don't have to live like that. Present ourselves as modestly before the watching world. Now then, what observations can I make? Can I add anything else? I think um, we need to be very, very careful about this subject of modesty with young women as a father of two daughters. Mm. I have watched my daughters over the years get destroyed mm. because they dressed like young women, mm. like their friends, Yeah, which some other people of a different generation with different fashion taste considered to be immodest. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps they were well-meaning, but went too far right. in saying what they said to them. Mm. And they still remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's very harmful. It is. Very harmful. It is. And I don't want anything to do with Christians, Christianity, God, the Bible, or anything because of a lot, a lot of because of that, how mm. they were treated mm. in their from the time they were 12 to the time they were like 18. Yeah. They're very self-conscious. Uh, Sabrina particularly, um, she entered sixth grade as a young, as a girl and, and exited as a young woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, just very developed. Yeah, right. And felt very uh, self-conscious about her body. Yeah. It took a long time for her to feel like comfortable in yeah. her skin, you might say. Yeah. And 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 uh, uh, just the way she was treated by boys, my boys class, especially, yeah. You know, but but also by adults as well. Yeah. Adults, yeah. Adults were the worst. Really? Some of them, some of them were pretty. Mm -hmm. yeah, some of them huh? Were brazen, huh? Wow. Yeah. You know, and, and and those young girls, you know, I mean, it's one of the practical things, you know, that I didn't think about until you. Know, it's just that as they're growing, physically they're getting larger, right? And mm. and a skirt that that fit at the beginning of the school year, same skirt. I like the skirt mm -hmm. or I like the shirt, mm -hmm. but now it's very different and it fits differently. Yeah. You know? And she's not she's not seeing herself in the way that some older man might be looking at her. Yeah. And thinking yeah. to himself, oh, that right. girl, you know, she's got a plunging neckline and she's right. showing cleavage or something. Yeah. And she's not thinking that way. Yeah. She right. may not. She may be, but yeah. you don't know that, and so you have to. You can't read their heart. Mm -hmm. and you have to be very careful. Yeah. Uh, about what you say. Yeah. To a young. And I don't think it's appropriate for an older man to say anything. Oh no, no, and yeah. they don't want it either. These girls don't want to be have some old guy say something to them. It makes them feel very uncomfortable. They don't want that. And it's wrong for the guy to do that. Very wrong. I remember 
when when I was a teenager, uh, girls' fashions, um, surprisingly, girls' fashions, the the blouses and and dresses that they wore were up pretty high collar. They weren't they weren't showing any cleavage at all, like fashions do today, but fashions change constantly. So they had high collars, but their skirts were way, way up high. So, I mean, was it, were they being modest or immodest? Well, modest here, immodest down here. So, but if it, it changes, fashion changes. It sure does. And, yeah. and what we get used to changes. It does. The TV and commercials say it's cool, so it's you better be cool. Yeah, right. Or you're out. And peer pressure. I mean, peer pressure has always been a problem, but there's so many more ways to express uh, your views today yeah. than than years ago. I mean, you know, with the internet and and social media and all that. So, um, well, we've we've given uh, more observations. Uh, how have I personally abandoned purity in my life in favor of following the ways of the world? Or have I? How have I? If so, how or why? But anyway, I wrote down uh, that I, I believe that it would be accurate to say that this is a greater issue for men than women. The idea of, of looking, looking, at women lustfully. I think it's a bigger problem for men than it is for women. Although women do it, but it's a bigger problem yeah. for men. Was that a was that a question? Uh, can, can you say um, can you repeat that question for the people who are going to be listening? Oh, the question is how have I personally abandoned purity in my life in favor of following the ways of, of the world? Um, if so how? Just, I'm just recording it. Yeah, people yeah, are going to be listening you. to it, and they have to. Thank you. Know what the question? Uh, well, let let's let's stop at this point and go to the Lord in prayer. Does anybody have anything else? To yes, I do. Say? Uh, yeah. You were talking about abandoning purity in in your personal life. It's in a lot of it is is uh, purity of mind. What you think, what oh, you're doing, yeah. And uh, I am confronted with that every single day. Mm -hmm. And I struggle with that every yeah. day. I'm yeah. 79. Yeah. You think with well, your age, you don't struggle with it. Yes, oh, I do yeah. struggle with it oh, yeah. every single day. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just an object of, of growth mm -hmm. with the Lord. And it, it, he has to be involved in it. And yeah. it's not an easy struggle. Well, as Pete <clears throat> said earlier on, you know, there's nothing wrong with appreciating the beauty of someone, whether male or female, there's nothing wrong no, with that. But it's what we do with our thoughts that's right. That's right. after that that observation. It's what we think about afterwards. That's where the mind gets us into real trouble. And so, yeah, I think it's something that we we all have to deal with, a temptation that we all have to deal with. I think it is hard to develop sensitivity with the Lord, but I think it's very important to do that. Yeah. To really ask the Lord to just help you continuously guard the affections of right. the Right. Yeah. Because in our world, in our culture, is the opposite. It just flaunts everything. It makes yeah. it makes it more available, more attractive. Oh yeah. 
is is easy to find, easy to see. Yeah, it is. The worst of it. Really, it really is. And increasingly so. Yeah. Increasingly so. All right, let's pray. Father, we Lord, we thank you for uh your word for this the this what we read in, in the early days of of mankind and and in the Garden of Eden and and all the the things that that you gave to us uh, for our benefit, but Lord, because of our sin, a sinful nature, our wicked hearts, Lord, we we sometimes and too often, Lord, we we give in to our perverse side, give in to those. Um, fleshly uh, desires and and do things and say things and think things that are unholy unwholesome and god we just i just pray i pray for me lord i pray god that you would help me as as pastor said to have a sensitivity toward you and, and to listen to your holy spirit speaking and saying eric Turn your eyes away from this if you're going to lust after this woman. Turn your eyes away and, and don't think about it anymore. And Lord, this is so true of all of us. God, we live in this perverse world. And here we are, Christians, <clears throat> trying to, uh, to live in a way that's pleasing to you, trying to be different from the rest of the world that has uh, gone off the deep end, falling headlong into sinful ways. God, help us to be different from that. Help us to be pure, absolutely pure, as you, as you intended for us to be when you first created Adam and Eve. Lord, even though they sinned, you provided a way of salvation for them and, and for us. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you, uh, you uh, gave them that animal sacrifice that covered, uh, covered their sin. And uh, Lord, it's the, Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. And, and we thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice for our sins that he bore our sins on the cross. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for the way that you are dealing with us, the way that you are working in our lives, that we might become more and more like Jesus. That's our heart's desire above all else in this world, that, our, that we would live more and more like Jesus. And we ask for this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.